Today we're going to work through uh, Proverbs 15. Now you may see it has 33 verses. And I, I pray that it won't take us uh, a long time to get through 33 verses. Some of these I'm just going to do as we've done in, in time past. Read it briefly, maybe say a comment about it, and then move on to the next one. But there will be a few of these that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop and talk about a little bit as we go through this, uh, this uh, chapter, the book of Proverbs, chapter 15. But before we get to verse 1, I want to draw your attention to a verse that is smack dab in the middle of the chapter. Verse 17. Verse 17 says, Better is a dinner of herbs where love is than a stalled ox and hatred therewith. Now that, that kind of sounds, it's kind of an odd, uh, odd saying, I guess you could say. But, uh, but let, me, let me explain it to you. Most of the time in the scripture when it speaks of herbs, it speaks of, of bitter herbs. And, uh, and um, so what this is saying is, it's better to sit down to eat a meal that's just a bunch of bitter herbs that just makes, makes you, your face all draw up all tight, you know, because you're eating something bitter. But you know that the one that made it loves you. The one that pre- prepared it and put it all together, you know they love you. Guys, it's like, it's like when you first got married and she, and she, wanted, to, she wanted to really uh, be a... a uh, she really wanted to do something special for you, and maybe she maybe she made you breakfast one morning and uh, and made some biscuits and gravy or something like that. Now if she hasn't done that. You know, will will marriage counseling is is able to be scheduled? But uh, no, I'm, I'm just playing. She doesn't have to make you biscuits and gravy. You can learn to make those yourself. Uh, but uh, anyway, uh, but maybe she maybe she made you some biscuits and gravy. And she brought them out and put them put it there before you, and and you looked at those biscuits and they were like hockey pucks all dark where they've been charred and, and hard, and you smiled at her, and you went, to, you went to stick your fork in there to eat it, and you, you stuck it into the gravy, and the, all the gravy came up all together, just one big piece, and, and it could, you couldn't stab into the biscuit, and so you tried to eat it, and you almost broke a tooth, but you smiled because she made it because she loves you. And you enjoyed the experience not because the flavor was amazing but because the one that made it loves you and what the bible says is it's better to eat a meal that's gross if the one that made it loves you than to have the ability to eat whatever you want but the one that's that's giving it to you despises you and hates you now, why is that important here? Because, and let me, let me say this, this is important because as we go through this chapter, there's going to be some tough things for us to swallow. There are some Proverbs here that are, that are some difficult truths. But please understand this, the Word of God comes from one who loves you. Ultimately, first and foremost, God loves you. And He wants you to know that He loves you. And because he loves you, he cares enough to tell you the truth. And then secondly, I want you to understand, as I am preaching this to you, I am preaching it because I love you. And I want you to know the truth. You you might say, well, you don't really know me that well. I don't have to know you that well to know that I love you. Because, see, when 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 Jesus Christ saved me, because of his love for me, he put within my heart a love for you. 
and a love for human beings. And I believe that that's what happens in the heart of a believer. God gives us a love for one another. And I want you to know the the difficult things that I say here today, I say it because I love you. I'm not going to shy away from it because uh, because I'm afraid that it might make you uncomfortable. I'll tell you, um, well, some of you might have noticed my, my ear. Of course, you know, usually you can notice my ears because, you know, I'm, I, I, I compete with Mickey Mouse with these things up here. But, uh, but this ear right here is, it's, it's all swelled up. It's, it's big. And, you know, if you want to, I'll, you know, for a quarter, I'll show it to you close up after the service. Uh, but uh, uh, a couple of months ago, I was carrying some chairs uh, down the stairs at our house. And one of them, as I got down to the bottom, I, uh, one of them swung around and it hit me in the ear. And developed what is known as cauliflower ear. I went to the hospital this past week and uh, have them to take care of it. And, and they, they did, but it, it swelled back up. And so tomorrow, I'm going to go to a doctor that doesn't really know me that well. But you know what he's going to do? He's going to cut me. He's going to hurt me. But he's doing it for my good. He's not doing it because he hates me. And I, I don't know. Maybe he does hate me. I don't know. But, uh, but he's, he's, doing, he's doing this to my ear because it's going to be for my good. And often the word of God rubs us the wrong way and it cuts. It cuts deep. In fact, the Bible says that the word of God is quick. That means it's alive and it's powerful. And it's sharper than a two-edged sword. And it pierces. Here's how sharp it is. It will divide the soul and spirit. It can, come, it, can, it can separate between the spiritual side of you and the decision-making side of you. That's how sharp the Word of God is. And what it wants to do, it, what it wants to do is it wants to bring you to a place of decision. And He encourages you to choose wisely. That's what we're learning here in the book of Proverbs, isn't it? To choose wisely. And to live according to wisdom. And the Bible says in Proverbs 15, it starts off and says, A a soft answer turneth away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. Guys, whenever whenever you're in an intense discussion with your wife, it is not a soft answer to say, what's wrong with you? It's not a soft answer to say, to say, why are you going crazy right now? It, that's not a soft, I mean, you might say it kind of with a soft tone, but those words will stir up a fire. It's like spraying gasoline on a fire. And that's not a soft answer. The Bible says a soft answer turneth away wrath. Do You know, in every situation, there is a way to respond that w- would have the potential to calm the situation down. And as children of God, that's our responsibility. God wants us to, to have a soft answer uh, to one another. The, the, the soft answer means like tender, gracious, gentle. Uh, uh, grievous words, those are hurtful words. Uh, and it, it's, it's not helpful to a situation. It's not helpful to, to a person for you to, to bring up the past and to, and to, use, uh, to use your words as a, as a sharp dagger, throwing those accusations and those hurtful things at one another. That's not what God wants. And, and let me ask you this. Why would you want to throw hateful and hurtful words at the one that you say you love so much? 
You don't want anybody else to hurt your, your loved one, do you? So why would you hurt them? Let's let our words be a soft answer to turn away wrath. The Bible goes on and says, The tongue of the wise useth knowledge aright, but the mouth of fools poureth out foolishness. Now let me ask you this. What have you ever seen poured out of a mouth? It's something gross, isn't it? Basically, what it's saying is a fool can't help but vomit out foolishness. That's what it's saying. I don't want to be, I don't want to be one that just... I want my words to be wise. I want my words to be, uh, to be encouraging and helpful. I w- this, this is getting a little too loud, guys. If we could cut the mic down a little bit. Um, the tongue of the wise useth knowledge aright. It uses the knowledge in a right way. Verse 3, it says, The eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the evil and the good. God sees it all. He sees, he sees uh, what's going on here in, in our church service. God sees what's, what goes on when you, go to, when you go to Target or to Vons or to Ralph's or to Sprouts or whatever. And God sees where you are. He sees all that's going on. He sees that person cut you off in traffic. He sees your boss being, uh, being uh, unkind to you. And, and my boss is here this morning. I've, uh, the part-time job that I have, uh, my manager is here this morning, and, and he's very kind, and I'm grateful for that. And I'm not saying that just just because he's here, uh, but I'm thankful for him and his testimony for the Lord. Uh, but, uh, but when your boss is unkind to you, uh, God sees that. God also sees when you don't do right on the job. God also sees when you don't do right to your children or to your spouse or to him. God sees it. He sees it all, whether you're in public or in private. In fact, God not only sees the outward, but God sees the heart. God told, uh, told the prophet Samuel uh, when, it was, when he was sending him to choose a king for, uh, to rule over Israel, God told him, he said, don't look on the outward appearance because God seeth not as man seeth. Man looks on the outward appearance, but God sees the heart. Often we use that as an excuse to, get, to try to get away with sinful actions. But let me remind you, while man may look on the outward appearance, God does see the heart. He's, he actually sees the, the sinful and the, the fleshly motivations that, that drive you to do what you're doing. So God knows. And you're not going to fool Him. You can fool your spouse. You can fool me. You can fool others around you. But you will not fool God because God sees it and God knows. The eyes are, of the Lord are in every place beholding the evil and the good. A wholesome tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness therein is a breach in the spirit. The word wholesome tongue, that means a healing tongue. A, a tongue that, that, you know, earlier we spoke of, of uh, grievous words and heart, harsh and harmful words. Uh, but a wholesome tongue is not going to speak hurtful things, but it's going to speak helpful and healthful things. Healing words. And you know, every person around you has been hurt in one way or another. And we're dealing with hurts. We're dealing with problems that, that have come upon us from, from situations that we're going through from other people. Maybe we've been done uh, unjustly by someone. And, and you, can, you can either hurt or help that situation by the words that you say. The Bible says a wholesome tongue is a tree of life. 
God wants us to use our tongue to help people. It says, but perverseness therein is a breach in the spirit. It's going to tear. It's going to break. It's going to, uh, to put a division there. And, and that's not what God wants for us. Let me ask you, parents, do you use harmful and harsh words when you're correcting your children? Well, I'm the, I'm the authority, and they have to remember, and they have to realize that I'm the authority over them, and they have to submit. Yes, that's true, but your words can be used to help them understand that, or you can drive them into submission and break their spirit. See, you don't want to break their spirit. You want their will to be brought into submission, but you don't want to damage that spirit. You want to encourage them... Uh, lovingly and graciously, kind of like we were talking about a couple of weeks ago. You know, when we're, when we're living right and doing right, uh, we're, we're under the protection of God. But when we choose to do wrong, we choose to step out from under that protection and subject ourselves from all the things that would come upon us. It's consequences for our choices. And, and that's how we as parents should handle those things. Hey, you had a choice to choose to do right and stay protected or to choose to do wrong and subject yourself to the consequence. So because you chose this, these are the consequences. And we can do that graciously and lovingly, and that's how God wants us to do it, uh, not using harsh and harmful words, but rather a wholesome tongue, a, a tongue that is healthful. A fool despiseth his father's instructions, but he that regardeth reproof is prudent. You know, we don't like for somebody to tell us that we're wrong. But the Bible tells us that if we will regard reproof, if we will consider, if we'll take notice and, and pay attention when we are told that we're wrong, that's the prudent thing to do. Now, the person that tells you that you're wrong, it may be that they're wrong. But if you, if you just reject that outright, you're never going to grow. You're never going to mature. You're never going to get the help that you need. So we need to listen to those things. And we need to take a step back and examine it through the pages of the Word of God and see what does God's Word have to say about it. Because God's Word is right. This book, this book, people say it was written by a man, but let me tell you, it was written by a man just as much as, just as much as it would be written by, by you if I, if I said, write this down, and you took up your pen and began to write exactly what I tell you to write. You would not be the author of that statement. I would be. And this book was penned by men. But let, but let me tell you this, it was penned by men who received the inspiration, they received those words from the mouth of God as He told them, as He breathed into them what to write and what to say. And, and so these things came from God who is true, who is holy, who is right. And, and here's the miraculous thing about it. Over 40 different people from from uh, three different continents, three different languages at least, over a period of 1,500 years, wrote, the, uh, through the inspiration of God, they wrote the 66 books that, that comprise this book that I hold in my hand. And as you read through it, every one of those writings totally and completely agrees. Now, you'll have some people that say, well, there's contradictions in there, but if you study it, if you read it carefully, you'll find there's not a single contradiction in the book. And that's because it came from one author who is holy, who is right, 
It's a miracle, uh, it's a miracle book. That's because it came from a miracle working God. And because God gives us these instructions in his word, it would do us well to listen and to take heed to what he has to say. And he tells us, he tells us that a fool despises his father's instructions. Reproof, we're prudent. That and say, well, I know some people that, that live for God and serve God and they, they're, they're poor. But I'll tell you, the treasures that this is talking about is not necessarily what goes in the bank account. It's talking about a treasure that, that the world cannot take away. There's a treasure of joy and of peace and of hope, of a relationship with Jesus Christ, of fellowship with brothers and sisters in Christ. And, and that is what is in the house of the righteous. That is what is available to those who have trusted Jesus. Revenues of the wicked is, is trouble. The lips of the wise disperse knowledge, but the heart of the foolish doeth not so. See, you know why I'm sharing these things with you? It's because I try to, I try to be wise. I want to live wisely. I want to act wisely. Wisdom of God. Because it will lead you to share the truths that you have learned. And the things that I have learned, the most important thing that I have learned is that the number one most important thing in life is to know that you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And, and, to, and, and, to, uh, this, and then secondly, to, to live a life that's pleasing to Him. Scripture says, the lips of the wise disperse knowledge. The wise person is going to pass along the wisdom that they've learned. But a person that has learned some things but is not going to pass it on, they're not going to share it, that's foolishness. So those of you who have trusted Jesus as your Savior, but you hesitate to share the goodness of God and the grace of God and the guys, the Bible says you're living foolishly. Why would you not? Uh, I remember years ago I heard uh, the, uh, the magician uh, uh, pen, you know, the pen and teller, uh, the magician uh, Penn, uh, he, uh, he said, he, he professes to be an atheist. But this is what he said. One day, he said one day after, a, after one of his shows, a man came up to him uh, and, and uh, had stood around waiting for the crowd to die down a little bit. But he finally came his turn. He stepped up and, and Penn pulled out his pen thinking he was going give to give an autograph or something like that. And the man said, no, no, thank you. I'm, I'm not here for an autograph. I just want to give you something. And he gave him a Bible. And, and it had, a, had a, a pamphlet with it that shared the, the truth about Jesus Christ and how, how you can know that Jesus is your Savior and that you're on your way to heaven. And he said, he said I want to give you this because I love you and I don't want you to spend eternity in hell. And later, as Penn was thinking over that, it just so gripped him that he broke down in tears and he said, he said, now I don't believe what that guy believes. He said, but it touched me that he cared enough knowing that I'm an open skeptic to come up to me and to approach me in such a way. And he said, he said, and here's, he said, and here's what I want to say to those who say they believe in, in Jesus and believe the Bible. He said, if you believe that God is so good 
and that Jesus will forgive the sins of anyone who will come to Him. And if you believe that hell is so bad and that that is where everyone, who will, everyone will go that does not receive Jesus as their Savior, he said, he said, how badly do you have to hate somebody not to tell them? I'll tell you, that convicted me. It made me want to have as my purpose in life to build relationships with people, to have an opportunity with them to share Jesus Christ. Because not only do I love them, but more importantly, Jesus loves them. And he, hey, if you're here today and you've never trusted Jesus as your Savior, Jesus loves you. He does not want you to spend eternity. All through eternity. Hey, this life is, is very short. The, uh, it, it, it'll, it's only here. The Bible says life is but a vapor. It's like when you boil a pot of water, the, the water will boil and the steam will rise above it, but pretty soon it just evaporates. The Bible says that life is pretty much like that. It's like a vapor that just vanishes away. And when, when this life is over, you, you are not finished because you go into eternity where you will be for time without end. And the question is, where will you be? Will you be in a, a place separated from God uh, and, and suffering the torments for your choice? Not because God hates you, because God loves you and He gave you a way for you to not have to suffer that, but because you choose to not trust in what He says, because you choose to trust in your way, because you choose to trust in what some person over at some, some college or whatever might have told you, and you think that because they have degrees that they're very smart, they're not as intelligent and as smart as God. And you can trust them if you want to. And as you trust in them and their, the, their philosophies, it's going to take you to a place called hell. But God, who is rich in mercy, loved you so much that He didn't just, he didn't just write a book to tell you about how you could, you could escape this place called hell. But he, he came Himself to this earth, became a man, and took your sin upon Himself. He took the punishment for your sin and mine and He paid for it on the cross at Calvary when He, when he stretched His arms out and allowed those, those wicked men to drive nails through His hands and through His feet and hang, hang Him there suspended between heaven and earth bleeding and suffering and dying for the sins of the whole world. He did that because He loves you. Now who else would do that for you? Jesus did it because God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. You say, yeah, but I just don't know that that's true. Let me tell you, as a witness to this, it's true. You say, how are you a witness to it? Because I was a sinner. I was born a sinner. I grew up in going to church. I grew up with my dad being a pastor and being in the ministry all of my life. And I, I heard the stories. I, I memorized the Bible verses. I went to Sunday school and all those different things. But there came a point in my life where I realized that doing all those things wasn't good enough because the Bible that is right says the best things that we can do in God's eyes are as filthy rags. And that's not going to stand up to God's standard of holiness. So I can do all the right things. I can read the Bible. I can go to church. I can memorize verses. I can be kind to other people. But unless I had a relationship with Jesus Christ, I would not go to heaven.
The Bible tells us that Jesus came unto His own, but His own received Him not. It says, but as many as receive Him, to them gave He power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on His name. Scripture says, Scripture says that, that if, if we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in our heart that God raised Him from the dead, that we'll be saved. September 28, 1987, as a 13-year-old boy, I realized that I was a sinner and that being a pastor good enough to get me to heaven, that I needed that relationship. So I bowed my head and I prayed and I asked Jesus to forgive me of my sins and to give me eternal life. And you know what? He did. He did it for me. He's done it for many of these sitting here today. And He'll do it for you. Why? Because He's no respecter of persons. And because He loves you just as much as He loves anybody else. And He wants you to be a child of God. And He made, he made salvation, He made eternal life a gift because there's nothing that we could do to earn it. There's no price that you and I could pay that would, that would be enough for us to purchase eternal life. So God in the flesh, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, gave Himself to be that sacrifice, to buy eternal life for me and you. And He offers it to us as a free gift. He says, here, this is for you. I want you to have it. And He extends it to each and every one of us. And if, when you receive it, it's yours. And it's yours forever. Nothing ever take it away. And what a comfort that is to know. You can't even lose it. Praise the Lord for that. Because it's eternal. You say, "Why?" I thought we're looking at Proverbs. We are. And this wisdom, this wisdom comes from God and it's, and it's there because, see, in order for us, to, for us to gain this wisdom, in order for us to receive that gift of eternal life, we need to be prudent and receive because reproof says, that's wrong. Reproof says, you have done wrong. Rebuke is, you are a sinner. Now we don't like that, but we need to receive it. We need to realize that it is the truth, because until we realize that and receive it, we will not, we will not seek out the solution to that problem. Now, many people say, well, I just don't see evidence for, for God. I don't see evidence for the truth of the Bible. But here's the thing. In your conscience, you know you're a sinner. And that alone is enough to show you that there is a just and holy God, that there is right and wrong, and it was laid down, it was hardwired into you by God Himself for you to know right and wrong. And the only reason that people, ultimate reason that people refuse to choose to believe it's because they'd have to confess that they were wrong. They'd have to confess that there is one that they're going to have to give an answer to, and we don't, we don't really like to do that, do we? But it's for our good to admit that. It's for your benefit for you to confess that you are a sinner. 
Because see, confessing that you're a sinner is not, it's not just saying, yeah, I've, I've done wrong. But it's saying, God, I, I realize that I'm, I'm a sinner. It's, it's admitting your helplessness and trusting that Jesus Christ did everything to forgive you and to save you. The Bible, the Bible tells us the sacrifice of the, of the wicked is abomination to the Lord. There are many people who have not trusted in Jesus as their Savior, but they go through a life practicing religion. And they, they think that these practices of religion are going to make them okay with God and make God okay with them. But the Bible says the sacrifices of the wicked, the sacrifice of the wicked is abomination. When, when, someone, is, when someone is living sinfully, but they, want to, but they want God to just be okay with it, the Bible says that's abomination. Basically, that is putting yourself on equal grounds with God and saying, Hey, God, you're cool and everything, but uh, I'm doing this my way. You do you, and I'll live my life my way. God says that's an abomination. Because in essence, what we've done is we've set ourselves up as our own God. That is the epitome of humanism. And that is the exact opposite of trusting in Jesus Christ. The Bible says it's abomination to the Lord, but the prayer of the upright is His delight. Correction is grievous unto him that forsaketh the way, and he, hate, he that hateth reproof shall die. You might, you might not want to receive this this morning. You might, you might be putting up a wall and pushing back against this, but the Bible says that, that if you continue to do that, what's going to happen is you're going to die in your sins. And it's appointed unto men once to die, but after this, the judgment. And God doesn't want you to stand before Him and hear Him have to say, depart from me. He wants you to trust Him as your Savior so He can say, enter into the joy of thy Lord. Scripture goes on and it says, hell and destruction are before the Lord. How much more than the hearts of the children of men. God sees everything. He even sees into hell. How, how, do we, how, how would we think that God would not see into our own very hearts? A scorner loveth not one that reproveth him, neither will he go unto the wise. Many times people don't want to come to church because they know that they're going to, at least to a church that's going to preach truth, because they know that they're going to hear something that's going to make them uncomfortable. Let me, let me tell you, here at Crosspoint, we want everybody to come. Everybody is welcome here. And, and we, we want everybody to feel welcome. But let me say this. If you're a child of God that's not walking in fellowship with God, I pray that the preaching of the holiness and righteousness of God makes you feel a little bit uncomfortable. Or maybe a lot of bit uncomfortable. Because, child of God, it's our responsibility to live right and to glorify God with our lives so we're reflecting to the world the freedom that Jesus gives over sin. And then if someone comes that doesn't know Jesus as their Savior, I pray they feel the love of Jesus just bathing over them. And I pray that, that the preaching of the Word of God does make them feel uncomfortable enough to trust Jesus as their Savior. I don't want anybody to feel uncomfortable and to, and to walk away unsaved. I don't want them to walk away and say, I'm never going back there. I, I want them to know that they're loved, but we love them enough to tell them the truth. A merry heart maketh a cheerful countenance, but the, by the sorrow of the heart, the spirit is broken. 
Child of God, if you've received Jesus as your Savior, He's given you joy within. Let it show on your face. Let the joy of Jesus come bursting out on your face. Let, it, let the world see the joy that comes from that relationship. The Bible says, The heart of him that hath understanding seeketh knowledge, but the mouth of fools feedeth on foolishness. All the days of the afflicted are evil, but he that is of a merry heart hath a continual feast. Hey, when you're, when you're, uh, when you're joyful and you're rejoicing and you have a merry heart, the Bible says, it, life is just going to be good. Amen? You're going to find good in everything. It may be difficult at times, like over the last several months with coronavirus and with you know, quarantine and all of that, it's been difficult to, f- to find little rays of, of light in the darkness. But it's there. And you know why it's there? Because Jesus is there with you, child of God. And where He is, the Bible says, God is light and in Him is no darkness at all. And and where He is, there's definitely a ray of light. Why don't you let it shine through you? And let the world see the joy and the excitement that comes from that relationship with Jesus. I'm not saying we have to jump around all the time, skipping and acting like, you know, acting like a court jester or something like that. But I am saying that you you ought to be rejoicing and joyful in your heart. You can have some difficult times and difficult days, and you might have some trouble in your life, and you know you might be like me, needing to have some surgery or something like that. And as much as I just, ooh, get all queasy with needles and blood and all that kind of stuff, I'm still happy and rejoicing in Jesus because God is good. You know, this thing right here doesn't mean God's not good. Amen? And whatever it is you're going through doesn't mean God's not good. God is good all the time, and He never, he never changes. Scripture says, Better is a little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure and trouble therewith. You can see that. You can see that. We, here in L.A., you can see a lot of people with a lot of money that are just as miserable as they can be. Because money doesn't buy you happiness, but it does buy you tacos. But so anyway, um, but money's not going to make you happy. But Jesus will. See, happiness is based on happenings, but joy comes from within when Jesus Christ abides there and He produces that joy. The Bible says, uh, here, here again is the verse we started with, better is a dinner of herbs where love is than a stalled ox and hatred therewith. Maybe, God, maybe we just needed that little reminder right here uh, that, hey, I'm saying these things that are hard, to, hard for us to swallow because I love you and God put it here because He loves you. A wrathful man stirreth up strife, but he that is slow to anger appeaseth strife. Do you know somebody that's just a troublemaker? They just go around just stirring up trouble everywhere they go, just grumpy. You know, yesterday I had a, I had a, uh, had a, a man come, uh, come to our house a couple of days ago, and he knocked on the door and, and told us that uh, a package that we had ordered had been delivered to his house. He said, it's too big for, for me to bring it, so, uh, so if you can come down and get it, that'd be great. So I went down yesterday to get it, and, uh, and it was, I was unclear about which driveway was his. And I went to the wrong house, and I knocked on the door, and the guy opens up, what? And I said, oh, hi, my name's Philip Jones. I said, are you the one that came to my house saying that you received the package that was for me? No. Just close the door. I'd hate to be that miserable. I'd hate to be that miserable. Hey, don't be a grump. Be kind to people, Right? I mean, I don't know what was going on in his life and everything, but, must, but it, it's made him miserable. And I'm praying for that guy. 
I want to see Jesus save him. If, he, if he's not saved, it might be that he's saved and just out of the will of God because those are some of the most miserable people I know. Amen? The way of the slothful man is ahead of thorns, but the way of the righteous is made plain. You know, lazy, lazy people, it just, it just seems like, it just seems like that, that nothing is ever right. You know, um, they, they want things to be a, a certain particular way, and if it's not, they're going to find reasons and excuses for it to, you know, why it didn't work out. And, and so, you know, not, the, everything they try, it's just like, oh, there's difficulties over there. I'm not going to go that way. Oh, there's difficulties over there. I'm not going to go that way. And oh, so I might as well just lay here in bed, you know. That's not how God wants us to be. It says the way of the righteous is made plain. And God will, hey, as you're seeking God, He's going to show you the way. He's going to give you direction for your life. Uh, a wise son maketh the glad father, but a, but a foolish man despiseth his mother. Uh, the Bible, uh, in another place, the Bible says a, f- a foolish son is the heaviness of his mother. It's a grief to his mother. Folly is joy unto him that is destitute of wisdom, but a man of understanding walketh uprightly. Without counsel, purposes are disappointed, but in the multitude of counselors, they are established. It's good for us to seek counsel. Men, often we think that because I'm a man, I don't need anybody telling me anything. I don't need any counsel. I don't need any advice. I'm a man. I can figure this thing out, you know. But God wants you to seek counsel. And not just from anybody. God wants you to seek wise, godly counsel. The Bible tells us a story of, uh, you know, Solomon is writing, is writing the book of Proverbs here by the inspiration of God. And, and he's writing it to his son, Rehoboam, to give him counsel to help uh, Rehoboam when he becomes the king over Israel, that Rehoboam would rule wisely. And as we read the, as we read the account of Rehoboam's life, it's obvious that he didn't, he didn't read his dad's, his dad's uh, instructions. He didn't take heed to his instructions because because he rejected, not only did he reject his his dad's advice and counsel, he rejected the advice of his dad's counselors and turned to his buddies, his friends, and listened to what they had to say. And often that's that's what gets... Hey, we live in a a day and time that's no different. Our our city here is just filled with, filled with, with... uh, college students and and young young business people and and they had these ideas that they got from their friends and they reject the wisdom of truth the bible tells us that that's that's foolishness a man hath joy by the answer of his mouth and a word spoken in due season. How good is it? The way of life is above to the wise that he may depart from hell beneath. See, once again, the Bible is saying the way of life, it's, it's, there's a way that seems right to a man, but then there are the ways of death. There's a way that Jesus has showed us. It's a way to life. And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. When you go by Jesus, when you go through Jesus, you will, you will get to heaven. You will have eternity with Him in heaven and you won't have to die and go to hell. The Lord will destroy the house of the proud, but He'll establish the border of the widow. The thoughts of the wicked are abomination to the Lord, but the words of the pure are pleasant words. 
The heart of the righteous studieth to answer, but the mouth of the wicked poureth out evil things. It would do us good to listen and to think about things, to consider what we're being told, what we're listening to, and, and, and to, to study it and to consider before we respond. The Bible says that uh, the heart of the righteous studieth. It's searching out a right answer. And often the right answer is, well, every time the right answer is, yes, Lord, right? The Lord is far from the wicked, but he heareth the prayer of the righteous. The light of the eyes rejoices the heart, and a good report maketh the bones fat. Listen to this. He says, The ear that heareth reproof of life abideth among the wise. Once again, we don't like to be told that we're wrong, but it's good for us to hear it when we are wrong. If you'll listen to that, and if you'll let the wisdom of God and the Word of God show you where you're wrong, it will, it will, also, it will also show you how to get it right because it, it, the Word of God tells us that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. That means God's the author of it. It says, and it's profitable. That means it's good for you. What's it profitable for? for uh, it's profitable for... Uh, for uh, reproof, to, sh- to tell you what's wrong. It's profitable for doctrine, that tells us what's right. For doctrine, uh, is what's right. For reproof, that shows us what's wrong. For correction, that when, when it shows us that we're wrong, it doesn't just leave us there, but it shows us how to get it right. And then once it's been made right, the Bible says it's profitable for instruction in righteousness, shows us how to continue in a right way. And the, the way, uh, the, the Bible says, the ear that heareth reproof of life abideth among the wise. If you're a wise person, you're going to listen to the Word of God as it shows you what is right and as it shows you what is wrong. And you're going to listen as it shows you how to get it right. And the way to get it right is to turn to Jesus Christ. He that refuseth instruction despiseth his own soul. If, you, if, you're, not, if you're rejecting the instruction of, of God's Word, the Bible says you despise your own soul. But he that heareth reproof getteth understanding. The fear of the Lord is the instruction of wisdom. And before honor is humility. See, we, I've found that L.A. is the land of dreamers. People come here from all over the world and they've got fame and fortune on their mind. They've got stars in their eyes and dollar signs and they, they just know that the next big thing to hit Hollywood is going to be them. And, and, they, and they come here with that dream and with all these different, all these different ideas and, and uh, you know, all these entrepreneurs and all that kind of stuff. They come here ready to just hit it big. And life doesn't always work out that way, does it? They come looking for honor and in our pride, you know, we'll just keep pushing and keep pushing and keep pushing and working toward that and trying to make a name for ourselves. But hey, the Bible says, what doth it profit a man if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? What shall he give in exchange for his soul? You can become the most, most wealthy person in the world, the most famous person in the world, and still die and go to hell. Now, if you're saved and you become wealthy and famous and all of that, there's nothing wrong with that. But it, it doesn't change the fact that the most important thing in life is to have that relationship with Jesus Christ. And before honor is humility, the Bible says, 
what we need to do rather than seeking honor is we need to humble ourselves and to, and to trust Jesus Christ as our Savior. We need to humble ourselves and believe the Word of God. Your, your life and your way has, has, has done some good. It's done a lot of bad, perhaps. Brought some undesirable consequences in your life. It's maybe brought some heartache and heartbreak your way. Let me tell you, the Christian life is not a bed of roses. It's not, it's not hey, you get saved and everything's A-OK from here on. No. But you do have peace and hope knowing that no matter how bad it is in this life, that's as bad as you'll ever see it. Because the best day in this life doesn't even compare to what would, I guess you could say, the worst day in heaven. Paul said it this way. He said, the suffering of this time is not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. See, one day, one day this life is going to be over and you and I are going to be in eternity somewhere. For me, I know it's going to be heaven, not because I'm such a good person, not because I'm a pastor. But because, as I told you, on September 28, 1987, I trusted Jesus as my Savior. He made me a child of God. I was birthed into the family of God. And I, I am a child of God. And that, that reality and that destiny is available for you too. If you've trusted Jesus as your Savior. It, it's offered to you. If you will trust Jesus as your Savior, it's what you'll have. And that's what God wants for you today. For those of us who have trusted Jesus as our Savior, He wants us to live a life of wisdom, listening to the reproof of His Word, showing us how we're supposed to live and how we're supposed to respond to one another so we're walking wisely, choosing wisely. And for those who have never trusted Jesus as your Savior, I do not believe it's a mistake that you've come here today because this is the message Jesus has for you. He wants you to know there is hope, there is peace, there is joy, and it's all in a relationship with Him. There is, there is joy unspeakable and full of glory. What that means is, what that means is there's a, that Jesus Christ is the source of joy that can give you joy during the darkest times of your life. I'll tell you, I, I love serving Jesus, but some of the most difficult days of my Christian life have been since I moved to California four years ago. They, there have been some of the hardest battles, been some of the most difficult days. But I've been able to go through them with joy and rejoicing because I know that Jesus is there and He has given me the strength to go through those times with my hand lifted up, praising Him, glorifying Him. And He'll give you that same peace and that same inner strength to do that. And He'll give you the joy to help you if you'll trust Him. Why would He do, that, do all of this? Because He loves you. Nobody else will do that for you to that degree. Nobody else can do that for you. Nobody else can be there for you all the time, every time, but Jesus Christ is. Because He loves you.
And I want to encourage you today, don't, don't turn that love away. Receive his gift of eternal life. Because he wants, he wants to give it to you today. Lord Jesus, I want to thank you for your word. I want to thank you for your mercy and your grace. I pray that you'd, you'd do your work in our lives today and be glorified in us. In Jesus' name.